So we are talking about false teachings and cults on the show today, particularly uh, Christian science. Thank you for listening. If you're new, welcome. We are all about mental, emotional, and spiritual healing on this program. And of course, laughter too, right? Because they do say it is the best medicine. But if you are enjoying it, if you like what you hear, if you listen to previous programs, I would be so honored or happy if you would leave a review on uh, iTunes or whatever app you're listening through. And you can find other encouraging resources and also my identity course on my website, which is jodystevens.org. And it's J-O-D-I-E and Stevens with a V dot org. And I'm hanging out with my friend Lauren Hunter, who has an amazing story about leaving a cult, actually leaving Christian science. But Lauren, you're actually in Roseville right now where I just moved from. <laughs> yeah, so cool. I mean, I guess cooler for you because now you're in Reno where it's snowy, right? <laughs> it's so funny because it's like just up the street, really. I mean, I can be there. I almost told you just get in your car and come on over because you're... <laughs> You know, what's funny is we're so close, but being an Alaska girl or, you know, growing up in Alaska, I feel like Reno has like four seasons, but California has one. It's eternal summer to me there. Yes, in Sacramento. And even even winter, I try to convince my kids to wear like, you know, pants to school and appropriate <laughs> winter clothing. And they're like, all we need is a sweatshirt. It's like 50 degrees. <laughs> I know. I don't think I ever really bought a, a, a coat when I was there. I mean, I had like fun jackety type things. So now that we're here, I'm like, oh man, I got to get me a winter coat. And then I got my husband a winter coat because he doesn't like the snow at all but I got him to get snowshoes. So we're going to go snowshoeing. Oh, fun. <laughs> he grew up in, well, let's see, he lived in Phoenix and he lived in Fresno. So the joke, and then I'm from Alaska. So the joke is, you know, that we're just like from two different poles or whatever, which is pretty much. <laughs> yeah, definitely Phoenix to Alaska. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you and I met at a, at a Christian writers conference, which is really cool. And I was speaking about hearing God that day, which is something you definitely want to hear. You do definitely want to hear from the Lord when you're a writer, particularly a Christian writer. And you were there and we got to chat, just got to know each other a little bit. And then you reached out and just reminded me of your story. And you wrote this book, Leaving Christian Science. So 10 stories of new faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm excited to hear about your story. Are all these stories all from people who got out of Christian science religion? Yep, you've got it. They are nine stories of other people and one story is my own. They all focus on a different theological tenet, if you will, from Christian science and kind of fixes the theology of each person's story and wrestling with a particular issue related to that theological topic. I was fascinated reading just the two stories that I saw in your press kit because I didn't know a lot about Christian science, and it actually really helped me to understand the way to uh, defend Christianity because it was like, wow. oh, wow, this is, uh, whoa. <laughs> and the more I read, the more I was like, whoa. <laughs> right, right. I think we get, um, you know, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time, you sort of get into the bubble a little bit and you forget yeah. that there are still major heresies. The main cults that um, people know of are like the Latter-day Saints or Mormons, Yes, the more familiar term. Or Jehovah's Witness. My father-in-law, he's a born-again Christian, has been for forever, but he was in the Mormon church. So he was really high up in the Mormon church. 
After doing some research, he just could not believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet. And so that's what he said. He said he was a charlatan and then he got excommunicated. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just to give your listeners a sense of like, what what the heck is a cult? Um, It's not a word that we use real often these days. And it has sort of a negative, well, it's always had a negative connotation, but really the word cult kind of as defined by Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin, which is like the Bible on the cult. Mm -hmm. It really defines a cult as any group that deviates from the norms of an existing Mm -hmm. group. So that would be the norms for Christianity would be like the Apostles' Creed, like the Trinity, the nature of Christ, the nature of God, the nature of the Holy Spirit. So any group that takes those basic definitions and understandings and twists the meanings so that they no longer mean the same thing. And and there's much more elaborate definitions of what a cult is. Usually there is some sort of leader or prophet that declares that they have wisdom or a vision or they've heard from God uniquely. And the message is different than the gospel. We all remember Jim Jones, right? I mean, that just goes down in history as something everyone remembers. And it's always like, you know, even now when someone says, you done drank the Kool-Aid, right? I mean, that's just like a... Like a, a pop culture saying. But yeah, it's typically where where they claim, right, that they have this direct pipeline to God. Like right. I, I I've heard from the Lord and and this is something new and you only get it from me. So now I'm God, right? Yes. And most of the groups like Christian Science has a textbook. So it was founded in the late 1800s by a woman named Mary mm-hmm. Baker Eddy. And she um, lived on the East Coast. She claimed she fell down and hurt herself. She was a sickly person to begin with. And she poured over the Bible as she was recuperating. And she claimed that she had a full healing from this, mm-hmm. this injury that was you know, medical was not anything what it was like in the 1800s as it is today. But according to her um, statement, a doctor said she would surely die from her injuries. And so she had, she claimed to have a miraculous healing as she poured over the Bible and that she fully understood and received from God instruction on how to reinstate the healing power of Jesus Christ. The lost healing power. Um, And so the whole religion came about because of this element of Christian healing, restoring the lost element of Christian healing, kind of its marketing one-liner, if you will. And so she built this whole religion and then wrote this book called Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures that was became more important than the Bible. And you'll find that too with like Mormonism as well. The Book of Mormon is more authoritative than the actual Bible. From there, they build their authority. It's interesting because when I read, I thought that her healing really, like that God really did heal her. And then she reads the scripture and rather than giving glory to God, right, she's creating a new religion out of it. Yeah. And, you know, the Bible tells us I should have this verse right at me, but uh, Satan can heal as well. Satan does mimic some of the healing power of God. It's up for grabs as to, you know, was it, and this is a question those of us who have left, you know, we often, many of us wrestle with the element of Christian healing in Christianity because there's some iffy stuff going on with the Pentecostal and like faith healing movements. Yes. Um, that are really similar to what we grew up with, which Christian science is radical reliance on God. Now, in the case of Christian science, it's really very similar to ancient Gnosticism. And the word Gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, means knowledge. I was just going to say that because I was reading about <laughs> that. 
Yeah, I was like, this is a lot like the Gnosticism I learned about. Uh, you know, so it's just, it all just kind of comes around and goes around. But I want to describe to you in, in my own, in my because I, I think what's interesting about a lot of cults is they are so complex and confusing. And I feel yeah. like Satan does this where he says, surely that gospel is too simple. Let me enlighten you. And then he gives us something that plays on our intellect, right? The the false prophet or whatever. And so they feel super smart, like they have this brand new revelation. And maybe they actually believe what they're like. They're they're. It's possible that they start out with good intentions, but they just don't know what they're doing. You know, I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm just saying. I I want to try and describe to. <laughs> you uh, what I was reading about Christian science. Okay. And then then you can tell me if I'm on the right track and then I'll have you, you can tell us what it actually is. Okay. So the material world is not real. Am I on the right track? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it's kind of like mind over matter, only matter is real. So matter is not supposed to be real. Um, So there's no matter, there's no sin. Sin is also thrown out. Um, It's not real. Like any, any problems, any difficulties, like any, anything bad is false and evil and not, um, not of God and not even you're denying the existence of the reality of the problem, whether it's emotional, physical, or even spiritual. So when they say like mind over matter, it's felt like they were saying, well, matter is real, but the material that makes it up is, is false. Yeah, it's a confusing circle, isn't it? I mean, if you're thinking with your brain and your brain is actually made of matter, how do you use your brain to overcome matter? Right. <laughs> so, so if you can figure that out. Okay. And then sin is we're only sinful if we think we're sinful, but once we believe we're not, we're not anymore. It's even a shade deeper than that, where you're denying the fundamentally um corrupt nature of mankind. So the fall, you know, the biggest reason why we need God in the first place, because we decided to, you know, eat the fruit, to part from God, to try to be our own God. And that's, you know, the reason why we needed a savior. The whole reason for Christianity is because at our core, you know, we're sinners. We have a need of God. We don't have a right relationship with God without Jesus. With Christian science, they actually deny that whole um, fall of man. And they only look at Genesis 1, where it says that God created everything good, and there's a period, and it's the end. And so Christian scientists look to that first creation in Genesis as the end-all be-all, that God created us good, God created us in His image. And so, oh, well, God isn't sinful. God isn't material. God doesn't have a body. So really, our true nature must be that we're not sinful. We don't have a body. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay, so sin's not real and matter is not real. So so let me ask you this. When you when a when a child as a child, if you fall down and you hurt yourself and you run to mommy, say mommy it hurts, what is mommy gonna say? Mommy says, Oh sweetie, you're not skinned up. Your knee isn't hurting. You're just fine. You're God's perfect child. He didn't create you with a knee that's skinned up and bloody. You're a perfect, good, and wonderful child of God. He loves you so much. Might dab the wound and might, you know, clean it with some water at very minimal uh, Mm -hmm. first aid and send you off on your way. Some, every mother differs, but I've heard of very sad stories where, you know, mothers wouldn't even 
do anything. And they're really um, creating quite a trauma in their young children not to attend to their physical needs. And as a child, you're also denying that you have these physical needs in the moment when you're hurting. So for those of you that are listening, you're going, what in the world are they talking about? So basically, if the physical world's not real, it's, it's, it's like you can heal your own wound. Is that kind of what they're saying? Yep. By thinking correctly. Oh my gosh. What if your kid breaks his leg skiing? Yes, that's a good question. I'm, I'm thinking of this, Lauren, and I'm going, I know they go to the doctor. Like you can't not, like you can't ignore that. Right? Well, so there is a provision that Mary Baker Eddy wrote in Science and Health oh. saying that it was okay to get your teeth cleaned and to <laughs> get a bone set. While you're working on your healing, you could go ahead and get a bone set. Right. Okay. But there's no provision for cancer. There's no provision for chemotherapy. Obviously, it didn't, it didn't exist when she founded the religion. Mm-hmm. So many medical treatments didn't exist. And, you know, eyeglasses right. are also permissible. It is confusing. If you have a lump in your breast that you feel is growing, you don't go to the doctor. You instead call a practitioner. A Christian science practitioner is like a mm-hmm. professional healer who doesn't come and touch you in any way, but you ask for their help and they send you a very small bill for their help that they go off and pray for you. But it's not prayer like you and I would know prayer. It's mm-hmm. claiming these truths that Mrs. Eddy defined. So in, in Christian science, the how is healthcare even like talked about or discussed? Is it like a bad, evil thing? Um, yeah. I mean, it's not really discussed. Certainly women still diet and you still eat food. Um, I remember my mom being a constant, <laughs> a constant diet, you know, <laughs> and right. so, you know, even though she was a Christian scientist still is, you know, that, that was always odd to me. You still deal with your menstrual cycle and things like that. I wasn't allowed to take yeah. any Motrin or, um, you know, just very minimal, like just enough information to get by. Um, Are you, what, what about childbirth? They do go, like I, my mother had both myself and my sister at a hospital. I I think it's just sort of grin and bear it. Like, okay, I know I have to have this baby. um, So I'm going to go in and they're just going to do whatever they're going to do. And and there's some, you know, there's some that maybe would go from a holistic, you know, birth at home. I fortunately had left Christian science before I had my Mm. four kids. Thank goodness. How do people believe this then? If if, if all the, the evidence in the world suggests that there is a physical world here and we need all this medical help and all these sorts of things. What, why are they denying that? Is it just the, the teaching is so compelling or is it because it's just generation after generation? I mean, if you believe something since you were a kid, it's hard to unbelieve it. I mean, why do you think, is that why? I think the latter reason is, is mostly why it's definitely a dwindling, dying religion. Churches are closing mm. around the globe. The, the number is hard to pin down, but probably fewer than um, a couple hundred thousand people in the world. But at one point at the turn of the century, it was the fastest growing religion in the United States. At the turn of the century, you know, with medical advancement not really being very advanced, you know, it promised healing. It promised you could have a scientific, you know, very loose term of the loose use of the word scientific, right? Because it's not really based on a scientific principle. You could have a formula where you could heal all your physical problems. You know, that was alluring to people. I was a fourth generation Christian scientist. So yes, it was passed on in the family. And that was the, that's the primary means that it's passed on. When I was living in your area, I was running a recovery group for women. And one of the gals there, her sister, 
sister died of cancer and and she was Christian science and they could not get her to go to the doctor. And by the time she did, it was too late. It was really sad. She ended up accepting the Lord right at the end, wow. which was awesome. But yeah. And, and I was like, what? Huh? No medical? Huh? That's and really she, common. Oh, yeah, they don't believe in medical. And I'm like, uh, 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 okay. Yeah. It's really common. You'll, you'll hear that. Um, throw a stone, hit a Christian scientist. You can hit someone who has a family member that died of cancer, like including myself, my grandfather had intestinal um, cancer and they caught it late and died a very painful, they did go to medical, get, try to get medical treatment at the end when none of his prayer and healing um, and practitioner work was helping. But at that point, you know, when it's stage four, you're at the end and, you know, it's, it's really hard. My grandparents even make it really personal, put their heart and soul into this false religion that didn't do what it said it was going to do. It's so hard because we want people to be healed and we know that God heals people, but we have to let God be God. And sometimes he heals and sometimes he doesn't. But it's like taking it into your own hands, like Christian science is basically saying, I'm God. And, you know, and and you even see this in the Christian church. There's certain healing ministries now that say God will heal you. I mean, they give credit to God as opposed to their mind, but they do say that. And it's like, you know, you can't bank on that because God has his reasons for healing. And a lot of times he chooses not to. You know, my brother died of his addiction and I prayed forever that God would heal him. And that just wasn't the plan, you know, and we don't get to know why. Right. I just finished reading Prayer by Philip Yancey. Mm. Uh, and that he had devoted a whole chapter to, you know, does prayer heal? And it was interesting because he talks about that and that we don't really have that many documented healings, you know, that were verified on both ends. Yet many people do believe that they, they have been supernaturally healed by God. And that's wonderful. I'm sure you've heard of people who've recovered from addiction too. And it's like immediately, you know, they turned to God and the, the nicotine craving went away completely. I've heard stories like that and praise God. Yeah. That's wonderful. But you still have to work the steps, right? You don't just get out of scot free. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, free. You, can, <laughs> you can get radically healed. It, it's just like, just like when God heals someone from cancer or something like that, it doesn't seem like it's the norm. It, it does happen that I call it the magic wand, right. but you know, it didn't happen for me that way. And I feel like it was for a reason because God was like, if, if I magic wand you, then you don't have a testimony and you don't have tools either. Addiction is just a Band-Aid. So it's it's putting a Band-Aid over the wounds of <clears throat> invalidation and emotional things that we can talk about because you were telling me that coming out of Christian science was a lot of the same type of wounding. And so um, you have to work through that stuff. You don't. The only way out is through, I feel like, in, in this life. Obviously, when we get to heaven, boom, you know, we'll all be perfect. But in this life, we have to work through the pain. And then we have the testimony we can help other people do the same. 100% agree. Most of the most, you know, most valuable lessons that I've learned in my own life have come out of really difficult times. And mm-hmm. for me, had I not struggled with medical, so in my chapter of the book, chapter two deals with matter. And I was engaged to my husband, his mother was an ICU nurse. And so I was trying to be an adult and have my own Christian science healings, you know, on my own and rely on God. And I, you know, I always loved God. I always was like wired to have faith. It just was not working. And so, I mean, I had a moment where I was a urinary tract infection, never had one before, 
Most people, you know, the signs, you get antibiotics over the phone, you go fill it, it's not a big deal. Well, if you let that go for weeks and weeks, it rages. It can actually kill you if you get the infection. Yeah. The infection goes in your blood. It raged. My fiance, you know, was like scooping me off the bedroom, the bathroom floor to take me to the ER, you know mom was at the hospital. She's on duty. We're going, my mom will be there, you know? Mm-hmm. And we went and it's like, Oh, a drip of like, whatever, whatever the best antibiotics and loving nurses. I'd never been to a hospital. I had only been to a doctor maybe once to get, I had to get immunizations. Um, Christian scientists don't get their kids immunized, but I did have to go because the Christian science college that I went off to, it had a huge measles outbreak. The, um, CDC stepped in and required um, all incoming students to get their shots. So I did have to go, but had not any, never been to the hospital, never had any kind of nurse care or anything. And it overwhelmed me with awesomeness. It was so vastly different than the picture that my parents had painted of, oh, medical, they disparage medical and say, oh, it, they never fix anything. Oh, you can get even more sick. Oh, they don't know what they're doing, you know, in defense of relying on prayer only. And the experience I had was completely opposite. And the problem was fixed with medicine and I was well cared for and loved. And it was, I I really felt like I felt the presence of God more through the care of the nurses and the doctor than I did through Christian science. Because you had never experienced someone caring for your physical pain. It must have been unreal. Yeah, because you, wow. you spend your whole life denying that you have pain and denying, you know, every five, you know, all your five senses. It really does a, a number on people and did a number on me. I was uh, 25 when I left, almost 20 years later. And um, it's take it's been a journey, like you said. Um, the only way out is through. How did you, yeah, how did you... Um come to question this and finally leave it? Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's number Mm -hmm. one. And I always remind people when you're praying for a loved one, whether they're entrenched in Christian science or Lord's Witness or Mormon, or they don't know the Lord and they're resistant to God, prayer, praying for them silently, even if they don't know it. After the fact, I learned there were a number of believers in my husband's life who had been praying for me for multiple years before I left. Um, so I, I grew up in the Bay Area, um, San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, met my husband. We were like eighth graders, and I got into public relations work in, in hightechnology.com, you know, boom of the 90s, and um, was there for a couple of years, moved over to a company called Christianity.com, which coincidentally is owned, now owned by um, Salem, which was the fish, yeah. right? There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everything that goes around I, comes around. Yeah, um, I worked there for 17 years. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I did morning drive on the fish, 103.9 the fish in the Sacramento region. So yeah. And then of course when COVID happened and stuff that we we made a move. But yeah, uh long, long journey there with Salem yeah. for me. So for, very familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So they, at the time I, I took a job as PR manager at Christianity.com, which was um a venture capital dot com something or other. They didn't really know what they were doing. Um, and, uh, I jumped in and we, we steered the ship as best we could for about nine months. But what happened was, so I was kind of in a spiritually fragile state of trying to make Christian science work for me. Um, mm-hmm. and I was plugged into my church up in Hayward and I was even the secretary, like taking notes for board meetings and things like that. I took this job and 
they hired me kind of knowing that I, I mean, they must've known that I wasn't a Christian. It would have been obvious to anyone and they hired me anyway. And all of a sudden I was not in a high tech environment. I was in a Christian environment with different kinds of pastors. There was an Orthodox pastor. There was a Presbyterian pastor. There was a a well-known Christian author who was writing all the blog content. Um, My boss, the marketing director was the son of a ministry person. And so all of a sudden God dropped me into this work environment where I was Mm -hmm. surrounded by believers. And so from starting that job, like in February, I think I gave my life to the Lord in April. Um, A couple of different things happened. I interacted with a reporter who somehow figured out that I was a former Christian scientist when we were talking about the King James Version of the Bible. Most cults use (laughs) King James Version, haven't haven't, um, advanced to any other translation of the Bible. He was like, hey, why do you want the King James Version? I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, what religion, you know, what religion are you? And I was like, Christian science. He's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta learn about this. And he sent me to the only ministry that existed at the time, which was um, the Christian way. And boom, the door was open. The, the veil was kind of torn for me personally. I went to the library. I checked out every book on cults and religions that dealt with any of this. And there were a ton in the library, Kingdom of Cults, um, Why We Left the Cults. So it was like a bomb went off. Um, mm. And I spent two or three days, poured over all of these books and talking to several people with the Christian Way Ministry. All kinds of cool things happened. Like I, I felt God, you know, felt Jesus really speak to me. I had been listening to um, Caleb, not to mention the, the competition. <laughs> But we only had Caleb in the Bay Area, and I've been listening to the Christian radio station and the songs, and just trying to make sense. So many of them were wonderfully sounding musical songs. I'm a musician, singer, and a, a piano player, and uh, they were speaking to me. And so, you know, God was using like all these things. You know, Romans eight twenty eight says that all things work together for good to those who love Christ. And so that's like what was happening. All of these threads, all of these different things. I called them signposts. From, you know, the guy on the phone saying, oh, you need to know about this ministry to um, my neighbor. I, I uh, Christian scientists are encouraged to save all these periodicals, uh, journals and sentinels published by the Christian Science Publishing Societies. I um, put all of these journals and sentinels in a laundry basket in my second story apartment. And I went down the stairs and went to the dumpster. Um, and I was immediately convicted to just like rid myself of all of these books and materials. I load up the laundry basket. I head down the stairs. I go around the corner to the dumpster and my neighbor who lived right beneath us sees me. I guess she was, or she was walking up. She's Lauren, what, what are you doing over there? And I said, Oh, I just got rid of a lot of stuff. I don't need anymore. You should come by our apartment. <laughs> this is minutes after I go and knock on the door. She invites me in. Her husband had left Christian science years and years and years ago. And they just affirmed my decision and they prayed with me. Like right there, God had like his hands, like right there holding me like a baby, you know, like a baby bird falling out of the nest. It was like, they scooped me up and just like loved on me. Man, like my life was never the same. It was like a, it was like a spell had been broken. All of a sudden I could see all of the things that people had questioned, even my own husband saying, why do you need anything about the Bible? Why do you need this other book to explain the Bible? I don't get it. Wow. Praise the Lord. It's just amazing how he he works all that stuff together. Yeah. That is just fantastic. And so, you know, this my book, um, you know, God definitely dropped this uh project on my lap, 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, hearing from God. Everybody wants to hear from God. Everybody wants to get uh, a vision, a lightning bolt, you know, and I've had a couple of, of those in my life. I feel blessed if I, if I never have any more, that's okay. Like I know he's real. Absolutely. So the other people that are profiled in the book have similar, crazy, ridiculous God stories. Well, and I think I think everybody has been a victim of false teaching at some point, whether they were raised in a cult. I have a friend who was literally raised in a Christian cult. It's rampant. In fact, I read somewhere, and I don't know who did the math on this, but it said there's 3,000% more cults today. Oh. <laughs> Oh, like so terrible. I know because you kind of think, oh, everything's the same as it was. It was bad back then. It's bad now. And it's like, no, I actually do think we're living in the end times. Because if you think about that statistic, and again, I just pulled it off the internet. It's, but I, you know, it was when I was kind of researching cults and stuff before we talked. The Bible tells us that in the end times, even the elect could be deceived if it weren't for God. And when you look at all this stuff, it makes sense. Absolutely. And we're seeing that with groups like Bethel um, up in Reading. It's super scary to me because I don't want false teaching to infiltrate you know, my church yeah. and my beliefs. Yeah. Um, when you come out of something, it does make you kind of uber sensitive to yeah. anything false or especially um, related to a leader. So, you know, most of us have trust issues. You know, it's important. A lot of people end up in more reformed denominations where there's a little more liturgy um, in the service, a little, you know, and it kind of leans more to that than the personality of the pastor. Oh, yeah. I would think people coming out of cults would be like Baptist. Baptist. Yeah, so traditional, you know, and it's weird for everyone if you're over, you know, the age of probably 25 or 30, you know, the church keeps looking a little more secular day by day. Um, And so, you know, that's another conversation. Um, But in the attempt to attract people into religion, we're sometimes not even looking like what a church should look like. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned Bethel because, you know, we had them at one of our fish fests and I've just always loved their music and I still right, do. Right. But I'm, I'm, it's so good. It's crazy. and But I'm concerned about all the healing and, and sort of meditation. And, and it feels like it feels like to me, there's a lot and maybe it's always been this way because I didn't accept the Lord till I was 28. But it feels like there's a lot of kind of new age and witchcraft type stuff in the church today. And um, there's another great book uh, by a friend of mine, uh, Doreen Virtue, and she actually came out of the new age cult movement was a top-selling author and speaker at all of the New Age conferences. And her book also just released um, last year called Deceived No More. And it is an incredible story. Um, we we connected because she was brought up in Christian science and ended up, a lot of Christian scientists do leave Christian science, but they end up in some kind of New Age religion yeah. um, mm-hmm. or New Age, it, you know, it's I don't know if it's really a religion. It's more a set of beliefs. And anyway, Doreen's story is amazing. And she has a discernment um, YouTube channel that's that's amazing as well. And she she does lots of teaching and interviews on all these things, Bethel and Hillsong and um, Christian Science and Jehovah's Witness. Oh, that's the gal that, that, that left New Age. She's now a Christian and she has yeah. that other gal and they're always talking about. Yes. Yeah, I've totally seen that. I've seen yes. a ton of their videos. Yes, yes. I was concerned because this whole new apostolic movement thing was going around about, and that's what caused me to look into it because it was more, I was hearing about this doctrine and I'm like, what is new apostolic? And they were saying, well, it's the, this takeover of all the pillars of the government 
and these sorts of things and that and that we can bring in Christ. We can bring like we have to bring Christ's return by doing all this stuff. And I thought, well, that sounds fake or that doesn't sound right. You know, and so I I began to watch that and look into and and and, uh, discover what that was all about. And I don't think it's good. And then I was hearing about the whole like Kundalini spirit, like people are going in. And they're leaving New Age, and they're coming into churches, and they're get—it's the same spirit. They're getting the same spirit coming into them instead of the yeah. Holy Spirit, because it mimics the Holy Spirit. Yep, there's a lot of troubling movements out there. So, how do you know the difference in a like between a cult and a false teaching? The uh, the New Testament where um, Paul is talking about the well, it is kind of Gnosticism and all these things going on in the church in Corinthians. The 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 you know beware of false teachers. Everything in the New Testament talks about false teaching and to beware of it. And then in Corinthians they were overemphasizing tongues, and then the Jews were saying, nope, you still have to earn your salvation. All these sorts of things are spinning around. Is this cult or is this false teaching or is there a difference? I don't know that I'm qualified to answer it, but I think asking the question is is a good place to start. Like when we're doing Bible study, you know, you challenge scripture with, with scripture. If it's authentic and it's from God, often you'll have not just one verse, but two, three, four, five, ten verses that, that say almost the same thing and, and confirms right. it within scripture. You know, for a long time when I was a new Christian, our, our church was doing, you know, Beth Moore studies and um, different different female leader studies, which which are are good and it's a really good place to enter into Bible study. It's a little less frightening than just diving right into like an inductive Bible study. But the last ten years or so, we started doing just straight up Bible study, and we go through and do basically it's like a version of inductive Bible study, but we just interpret the scripture of scripture. We chew on it and mull on it and read, you know, short amount of verses and linger and listen for the Holy Spirit. And so that kind of like deep dive into scripture has been really good for me because it doesn't rely on some other additional teacher, which is kind of a hurdle for me since I grew up with that. It's great advice because the Bible tells us over and over again. I mean, we're kind of responsible for understanding Scripture and knowing how to apply it. Like, that's our job. That's why it says over and over, beware of false teachers, beware of false teachers. I mean, it's not it's not so, something that's sort of hidden in the Bible. It's pretty right. out there. Right, right. It's in a fact, boring lion, you know, in fact. Yeah. It's not yeah. a, a bunny rabbit, you know. <laughs> Do you have, what, what kind of trauma did you end up with? Uh, emotionally after coming out of a cult, being raised in under a cult? So I can speak for myself and I could also share just a few, a few other traumas that um, many, so it's going to vary probably from person to person. I know for me dealing with um, emotions, that has been difficult. And I, I loved that you mentioned that in your podcast episode number one um, about recovery uh, because I think a lot of people do that in, in Christian science. It's kind of weird because you're you're almost um, God is kind of depersonalized as this being. There are seven synonyms of God, um, including like love being one of them. God is sort of turned into this um, big jelly blob of love, um, <laughs> like job of the hut or something. You know that covers everything with love, and there's no personality. And so people sort of have this Christian science sort of build in this false positivity, if you will, like everything is 
um, like a, like a straight line, almost like you're taking antidepressants and you have no highs and lows. You're just riding out the calm wave of being joyful and trusting in your perfection and trusting in this God who's going to take care of every single problem. The only problem with that is that we have problems. So what happens when those issues arise is you're clinging to this false belief that um, nothing is wrong. So what that does, if you have dysfunction in your family, like many, many, and most people do, it's not dealt with. So there was dysfunction in my nuclear family growing up. Um, it wasn't dealt with very well. It wasn't handled very well. I was hurt uh, measurably by my, my parents' dealings with that dysfunction. I didn't get therapy. I didn't know how to deal with any of that stuff. So anger is the emotion I felt the most, but I couldn't express it in a healthy mm-hmm. way. So um, in my early adulthood and when I left and all that, like I just, I just felt angry a lot. Um, I could yeah. turn it off with my husband, but anytime I was with my family, it was like right there in a, in a second. Because they were triggering, they would trigger yeah, you. Yeah, I had no understanding um, yeah. of trauma. And, and actually, like, it's been 20 years, I've done a bunch of talk therapy, but just in the last year, I've started doing trauma-informed therapy. That has changed a lot, really, unless you go back and you deal with and repair the damage that's been done by emotional and spiritual trauma, you're just kind of putting band-aids on the problem. This is so common too in families of addiction because the cycle of addiction and codependency go from generation to generation. And it's basically, I mean, I often heard, you know, don't feel that way or we don't know why you feel that way and things like that. And it wasn't intentional. It's just like your parents. It's not like they woke up and said, I'm going to invalidate my childhood. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things where, and if you're a person let's say, who's not mentally or psychologically well, and you have a teenager and they have all these difficult emotions, and you've never even learned how to deal with your own, it's it's easier to just shut that down. Feel different. Don't feel that way. So pretty soon, you try to feel differently, just like what you were talking about. You try to feel differently. You try to be different, but but you're not. And so you grow up with, there's something internally wrong with me. I'm I'm broken because I can't I can't feel and be the way I'm supposed to, right? And that is super traumatic. I call it kicked puppy syndrome. It's <laughs> really it's just a name for trauma. But yeah. um, you know, I can kind of pick that out. You probably can too when you are um, you know, broken um mm-hmm. inside or you I, I really don't think it's it's kind of like once you're an addict, you're always an addict. Like once you're broken, you're kind of always broken. Not not to say that I can't feel happiness and joy and I'm not a whole person and I'm not healed from a lot of things, but I, I can never go back to not being broken. But that's okay. You know what? That's okay because the Bible tells us that God draws near to the broken heart. Um, yes. I'm so encouraged every time I read, you know, even the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, blessed are the mm-hmm. poor in spirit. I'm like, praise God. That's how he works. He breaks through us into the broken places of our lives. And he, yeah. you know, like water in in a vase, one of the songs that you probably played on the fish, that's how the light gets in, you know? <laughs> I love that one. It's, that's how the true. light creeps in is there's broken, broken cracks. Brokenness is what creates the depth and the testimony. And, and, and then, of course, you know, oftentimes the, the pain or the dark night of the soul, or the, or as Peter Scazzaro talks about in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the, you know, the journey through the wall, the places, the times when we're the most broken is when God does the most work. And 
sometimes he just has to bring us low and bring us down or bring us pain, like in your case, before we, we actually can reach out, you know, and we just, we live on that hope that he will make all things new because everybody was born into sin and we're all a product of it. And there's just, there's, it's so, in some ways it's so complex, but then in other ways you kind of look at it just like addiction. It's like, I'm powerless over my addiction. Yeah, but you're powerless over sin. And everybody's got something. And so for people like you and I is is experiencing this kind of invalidation, for, whereas for you it was an invalidation of kind of your whole physical and emotional experience. And that's pretty tragic. I want to read what Dr. Henry Cloud in his book Integrity talks about. And this is what he says about emotional invalidation. He says, further, other research has shown that emotional invalidation is the basis of many character disorders that lead people to psychiatric illnesses, as well as poor performance and academics. I'm dyslexic. It has been shown to be a factor in almost all that is wrong with people, physiological and organic issues notwithstanding. Stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about does more than make a child be quiet. It disengages the child from her own feelings and inner states. As a result, she can develop a host of impulse problems as well as emotional and relational issues that affect her functioning. The real reason for that breakdown lies in the breakdown in the structure of the relationship itself, which is where we get all of our capacities for performance. As the child disengages from the parent or caretaker, he or she has lost connection with the source of the functions that he needs to learn and internalize. So impulse control, discipline, empathy, reality testing, emotional regulation, hope, trust, judgment, and the other things that children get from caretakers have all become unavailable as the connection is lost. The child is now alone and without the capacities he or she needs. Like a bomb. (laughs) Like a bomb just went off. Um, I know. It's just goodness. thrown in there in this business book. And I Ooh, thought, oh, that's, that's like lot, every single thing. <laughs> but you know what? I bet everybody listening can relate even just a little bit. Even if you only had a neighbor growing up where you could see that kind of thing happening to your mm. friend down the street or the kid mm. at school or the teacher that was really mean and invalidated her students in front of you. You know, there is hope. Um, and there is healing no matter what, even if that has been your story. And that definitely described my story. And I have been able to become an emotional, caring, you know, loving, disciplined, well-adjusted, um, high-achieving businesswoman and mother and wife. So I'm thankful. I only say that to give people hope that, yeah. you know, if you're a young person listening to and, and this has happened to you, you know, ask for help. Because there are so many people that want to help. One of the resources um, for former Christian scientists is a ministry that I'm a part of called Fellowship for Former Christian Scientists. We have a ministry, thriving ministry with former Christian scientists. Awesome. Leaving Christian Science, 10 Stories of Faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're listening, check the book out. And uh, do you have a website, Lauren? I do. LaurenHunter.net is my author blog. That's Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, dot net. And the book is available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Fantastic. So check it out and feel free to reach out to, feel free to reach out. Can they reach out to you? Oh, absolutely. There's a, there's a little form, uh, a little contact form 
on laurenhunter.net and I look at those every day. So please do reach out or join my uh, newsletter if you want to get articles. I, I don't always write on leaving Christian science, but I do write on yeah. um, matters of the heart, you know? <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, if you want to reach out to me too, I'd love to hear from you as well. I'm certainly not an expert on cults, but I do know I do know the word and, and would love to talk with you if you've been exposed to some kind of false teaching or false religions and that sort of thing. And I know, I know uh, Lauren can help you with that as well. So I hope this has been a great resource to you. Uh, my website is jodystevens.org, J-O-D-I-E, Stevens with the V, jodystevens.org. So check it out and please uh, subscribe to this podcast. I'd love it if you would. And I would love it if you would uh, leave a review there as well, too. And if you're interested in being on this program as well, please reach out to me if you, if God has done a miracle in your life um, and in your, uh, maybe it's uh, rescued you from an addiction or an anxiety disorder or those types of things. We're all about healing, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing on this program. So I'd love to hear from you. 